0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with my co-host Dale Lolly. and uh, we are day two of Steelers padded practices are in the books. Um, the Steelers once again getting out there, getting acquainted with just being able to hit again. Um, there were some players who didn't show up. We did see Marquise Pouncey with, uh, get 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 to practice, so at least he was there. But among the non-participants in practice. Uh, for today were Eric Ebron, the new tight end from the, from the Colts, Joe Hayden, David DiCastro, who that's his second day in a row, Alejandro Villanueva, and James Washington, who also it was his second day in a row uh, missing practice. But Dale, a lot of Steelers fans were freaking out on Twitter when they were like, what's going on with James Washington? What's going on with this? People need to calm down and realize this is just – we're, we're still a month away from the season.
1: Yeah, it really doesn't matter, Uh, you know, in terms of veteran guys missing these practices. um, You know, they're not going to be doing anything that David DeCastro, for example, doesn't know how to do. Uh, These are minor things, not anything uh, serious. Uh, We did see some guys go down with some more serious injuries, though, today. Uh, That being Kevin Dotson, uh, the uh, fourth-round guard that they drafted out of Louisiana, and uh, tight end Dax Raymond, who uh, actually caught my eye a little bit yesterday when I, I was at practice. Um, as a uh, kind of a blocking tight end, um, saw some decent movement out of him and, and saw him uh, move the uh, the sleds pretty well. Uh, actually, he got a knuckle bump from uh, from a fist bump from Mike Tomlin at the end of the uh, the blocking drill So he was somebody that they were keeping an eye on, and now he uh, suffered the ankle injury. Kevin Dotson's a left knee. We'll see how bad that is, but uh, the depth already being tested at those two positions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and it stinks because both I think are in positions where they could fight their way into a good spot on the depth chart. Um, You know, we, we were we were talking yesterday on the show about the two tight ends at the top of the depth chart. There's no guarantees with that third spot right now, you know, Zach Gentry. You know, it's, it's still around? Uh, Kevin Raider's back, and you know, in, on on this roster, fighting for a spot. But you know, Raymond or anyone, anyone who could really win that last spot. So it, it's uh, it's really bad timing for him to get get an injury like this. He, yeah, you're, you're hoping for him. He may, maybe he uh, maybe it doesn't end up being long term. He can get back out there soon.
1: Yeah, uh, with you know, with the young guy, an undrafted guy, obviously, you know, the ankle injury probably not a season-ending thing or anything like that, but certainly sets him back. Uh, with Kevin Dotson, I know a lot of people when they drafted him uh, thought, well, maybe he has a chance to start this year. That wasn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. He's going to get the year on scholarship as well. Uh, but it does help Derwin Gray's case to uh, get uh, you know make the roster this year. Gray was a seventh round draft pick last year and got the year on scholarship. Well, now perhaps uh, you know he takes a step up. Uh, obviously, he would have been you know uh, behind the eight ball trying to make it ahead of an, uh, a fourth round draft pick. Um, we'll see how bad Dotson is, uh, in terms of that knee. Um, you know, you can bring more guys back off of IR this year than a typical year. I believe it's up to four or five guys now. I have to look that up, but, uh, certainly they've increased that number this year. And of course the, uh, the practice squad number also increasing to 16. So, uh, you know, they, they can have a much bigger roster this year. So these guys were going to be depth pieces. And now that depth again is, is being tested
0: certainly that depth is being tested um you know and, and i think again that's why the steelers are letting their veterans out there just take take their time there's no reason to push you know players out there that, to play all the time when you really just need these guys to get healthy you know even though we're looking at early to you know we're looking at mid august and typically we'd be talking about preseason football right now the season, this this you're not they're not playing against another team until you know, for another month. So I, I really think the smart move is what the Steelers are doing right now, as far as just taking it easy with their top guys. And we're seeing team, you know, more teams going down with with looks like serious injuries. Uh, it was just reported from Ian Rappaport of NFL network that uh, Artie Burns, the former Steeler, uh, he's, he's a quarter, cornerback with the Bears now, former first round draft pick. And they said he just tore his ACL. And the Bears brought him in with seriously thinking that he was going to compete for their, you know, one of their starting positions at cornerback. Uh, so that hurts for them. And then Mac Wilson, uh, the, the second year linebacker for, for the Browns, he got carted off at, at the Browns practice. Uh, so we're, we're seeing this going across the league. A lot of people knew this was coming. Ramon Foster wrote about this. You wrote about this. Um, we've talked about this, this potential happening and we're seeing it across the league, you know, for so far, it's only been two days. But the Steelers don't have any big names that have, have, have befallen that yet.
1: Yeah. And, and this is what you want to avoid. You don't want to be making news this time of year when you're not playing any games, the games are tough enough. Uh, you're going to have injuries in games, uh, practically every game, you know, you come out of with some kind of injury, uh, feel bad for Artie burns. Uh, you know, he was hoping to, uh, you know, He signed a one year deal with the Bears, hoping to reinvent his career and rejuvenate his career. Uh, Mac Wilson, if that's, if that's a, a serious injury for the Browns, that's a huge one for him because they got rid of uh, Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey in the offseason, let both of those guys go, and they were expecting Mac Wilson to step into that lineup and be a major factor for them this year. And if he's out, uh, boy, they don't have any kind of depth there at the linebacker position to, to fill in uh, for Mac Wilson.
0: I agree. I mean, and Schobert, he was a huge player for them last year. You know, That was one of my head scratchers on the Browns. When I, when I remember when we kind of looked at each other, we kind of like joked with each other when they signed Case Keenum, and we were like, really? You're, you're getting a backup quarterback when you need to fill out these depth spots? Okay. Uh, and uh, here, here we are. Uh, and again, Mag Wilson, who knows? He could have got carded and maybe it's not long term that will take him out too far into the season. Uh, but any time a cart comes out in training camp, that's a scary thing. Um, and people and so yeah you're right that could be a huge huge blow to them and and that's a team that needs their defense to be at a a really high level they've invested a lot into that defense over the past few years with all the draft picks that they've thrown into it Um, if the if the middle of the defense becomes vulnerable uh, that could be a huge uh, huge point for the entire AFC North to rip off because you got a team like the uh, like the Ravens who had three of their, their three of their tight ends were in their top five receivers last year when it came to yards. And now you got the Steelers who have two tight ends that are starting caliber guys, and like you were saying yesterday on the show, we're not even sure if, if there's gonna be a real a real tight end one. And you had Vance McDonald earlier today talking about how he's ready to quote unquote dunk on everybody because Ebron's with here.
1: Yeah, and and you know, even more so than that. Uh, The Browns were already bad against the run last year. That's one of the reasons why they felt they could give up Schobert because he's not necessarily, uh, you know, all that stout against the run, but he's excellent against the pass. Wilson was supposed to uh, help improve that. And they're breaking in two new safeties this year. So, essentially, you're going to have a whole new middle of the field for the Browns, and that's not where you want to be, you know, breaking in new guys in a season where you didn't have much of an offseason. You've already got a brand-new coaching staff in Cleveland – And now you're losing the guy who was going to be, I'm I'm guessing was going to be their play caller. Uh, This is not a good sign for Cleveland early on. It certainly isn't. Um, And, you know, and Dale, you and I also,
0: we've we've talked about this all throughout the off season. We've had a lot of off season this year, but, I really looked at this, you know, I because I've, I've talked to the guys that work on different beats with the Bengals and the Browns and everything, and they a lot of people seem to really feel like this was the Steelers' year to completely fall off the map and the the year for Cleveland to make a huge step forward. I'm I'm still on the boat, even even if Mac Wilson isn't having a serious injury, and you hope it's not, because you don't want to see that in any player, but. Even if it's not, I, I still see this with all the questions that they have on their team compared to all the things that you're really looking forward to coming back with the Steelers with to it on the defensive side of the ball and Ben Roethlisberger on the offensive side of the ball. I see a major advantage for the Steelers here in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, continuity is going to be king this year, and for the teams that didn't have a lot of turnover, uh, that certainly uh, you know, bodes well for the Steelers. Uh, the Browns, on the other hand, plenty of turnover, as they do every year. And once again, things not going in their uh, in their uh, their way. Uh, certainly early on, the same could be said of the Bengals, who have a bunch of injuries as well. So um, again, again, any news coming out of camp at this time of year, when you're not playing football games, is bad news. Uh, so Steeler fans should be happy about that. Absolutely, we're going to go to our first break. When we come
0: back, we're going to be talking about some more of the Steelers that we got we got to talk to right after this. podcast i'm chris carter here with dale lolly now uh dale early in the morning tuesday you got to be on a zoom with uh steelers cornerback joe hayden who had a lot of things to say now he didn't practice on tuesday but he had a lot of things to say about what happened on monday uh you alluded that you know we know that chase claypool made a big catch in the end zone from ben roethlisberger and uh joe hayden revealed you know that he was that he that he that he was that he was part of that. Uh, what was some of the stuff that you got out of talking to Joe Hayden today?
1: Yeah, it was a uh, it was a back shoulder throw in seven shots. Uh, Joe Hayden confirmed, so now we're allowed to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> the, the the training camp rules that are in place. Um, back shoulder throw. Hayden had perfect uh, position on it. Uh, played the back shoulder throw as well as you can play it. And Chase Claypool just went up over top of him. Like he was rebounding a basketball and just basically took it away from him. Hayden said he he played it uh you know, to kind of play the ball and swipe between the hands to, to knock that out. And Claypool uh just went up and, and you know, has showed strong hands and, and, and body positioning and just took it away and came down with both feet in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh Hayden talking a lot about, you know, how this kid's gonna be be able to step in and help them right away. Uh certainly Maybe not so much you know, between the 20s, uh, but when you look at a guy like that uh, down inside the, the red zone, he's a big red zone target. Um, if you get to a third and five situation, even if you are just out in the middle of the field, uh, if you've watched the videos of the Steelers' practices, and, and they did this a lot yesterday, working on a lot of the back shoulder throws with these guys, again, 6'5", 238, if you throw to that back shoulder, it's going to be awfully difficult for a defensive back to to get – Uh, get there and and knock that ball away against that kind of size, especially with that kind of speed as well. You, you know, if you're going to play the inside position on that um, you give up the, the chance that he runs by you as well. Right. That's the thing as a cornerback,
0: you have to pick what you're going to honor and what you're going to risk because if it's, yeah, you, you establish that inside leverage. Okay, good. You're putting yourself between you and the ball but are you between the receiver and the quarterback and that's a good position to be in. But if the person's got height on you and you got a quarterback that can throw with touch, you're going to give up a touchdown. That's what happened. When Terrell Edmonds, who actually, you know, similarly against DK Metcalf last year from Russell Wilson, he got on his inside shoulder. Metcalf went to the pylon, and Russell Wilson threw it over Edmonds. And that's going to happen with bigger, taller, and faster receivers like Metcalf and like Chase
1: Claypool looks like he's going to be. As you mentioned, that when you have a great quarterback, and as far as I'm concerned, Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the league right now. I know a lot of people think it's Mahomes or some of these other guys. Right now, Russell Wilson is at the perfect – Apex of his career, he still has the physical ability, and now he has the mental acumen. Acumen, uh, having played uh, you know a number of years now, where he's at that perfect spot in his career where you know if you. It, 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 my point with that being, if you took Russell Wilson and put him in that Chiefs offense, uh, he's going to look pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, he, he's going to throw fifty touchdown passes and do all the stuff that Patrick Mahomes is doing. It's not a knock on Patrick Mahomes at all. I think he's the most talented quarterback in the league right now but Russell Wilson to me is the best quarterback in the league right now and, and again we talked about continuity in the last
0: segment with the Browns Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll they've been getting along for most of the past decade. so um, you know I think that's another thing that you have to take into consideration when you're looking into great quarterbacks and seeing like you know what hey when you're more familiar with the system the way that Ben Roethlisberger is with the Steelers you're more likely going to see a quarterback making more comfortable throws, willing to take those riskier shots because they're saying, hey, you know what, I know where everyone is. This is my team, my offense. Let me get used to the, 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 the talents available for these guys. And, and, you know, Juju said this in his, uh, in his Monday, Monday morning availability, saying the biggest thing that Ben's adjusting to is just the different body types that we have now. And he was kind of alluding to Chase Claypool because of how tall he is and how fast he is. And the Steelers really haven't had a guy – Of that range, as far as when it comes to athleticism and just natural rawness, since Martavis Bryant, and we remember what he was able, what Ben was able to do with a Martavis.
1: Yeah, and you know, you look at back in his career, uh, early in the career, he had Plexico Burris here. Uh, Burris, despite being the taller type receiver and even a little bit taller than than Chase Claypool, uh, I never thought was very good at high pointing the, the 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 football on the, you know, the kind of the, the touch throws into the end zone. Um, I always commented at the time that, you know, despite the fact that he, you know, Plexico Burris had a, a basketball background, uh, but I don't think he was ever a very good rebounder because he just did not always get the ball at its apex. Uh, you know, didn't jump real well, didn't time his jumps real well. I think we're seeing early on that Chase Claypool does that. Uh, he certainly has some some talent there and, and is able to contort his body a little bit in ways that uh, some of these some of the younger, or, like a much smaller wide receiver. So uh definitely looks like a, a solid pickup for the Steelers. And, you know, I, I was asked in the comments on that story today, uh, just to, uh, to kind of drive this point home, you know, what would you rather have right now? I know, I know when the Steelers drafted Chase Claypool, a lot of fans wanted J.K. Dobbins instead. And, and I was all in on J.K. Dobbins. I love J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. But now that I've seen some of these other guys, um, you know, with McDonald and and, and McFarland, I should stay. You know, the question is would you rather? This this came from uh, T. Bunner, 66. um, If you had a choice, would you rather the Steelers have J.K. Dobbins with Claypool or Minka with Claypool? My thinking on this is they weren't going to take a running back in the first round because nobody does it anymore. The real question is would you rather have Minka, Dobbins, and Antonio Gandy Golden? Who was available when they picked McFarland? Or would you rather have Minka Fitzpatrick, Chase Claypool, and Anthony Anthony McFarland uh, with the picks, which is what they ended up picking? To me, I think looking at what they got in that situation, I'd rather have Minka Fitzpatrick, Chase Claypool, and Anthony McDonald or McFarland.
0: No, yeah, I, I I agree with that. That's a great assessment on your part because Anthony Anto, Antonio Gandy Golden. I loved his profile in college. He made some some really nice one-handed catches, um, and he looks like he. Literally. could. Have- <laughs> right and that, that's where I was going with this is that the the biggest things that you saw were he, he was at a smaller school and you're looking at a situation where some of his best plays came in the senior bowl went because he you know he had to go there to show more people that he was doing that Chase Claypool was doing that in Notre Dame on on primetime television on NBC with the biggest dogs going after him uh, and, and one thing that I think like that that you that you asserted earlier that's really interesting is that you know a lot of people were talking about, hey, well, maybe maybe you know what, they can just line up outside and just say, hey, run a nine, just go go get the deep ball. But if, if you're looking at a guy it's like, hey, we'll do that, but also we get to the red zone, we're going to take away the thinking here. We just want you to do this. Get to the pylon. Make this a jump ball situation. If they give you the one-on-one because they're too worried about Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron and Juju and Deontay Johnson or whoever – this, that might make it a lot easier for the rookie to get used to, okay, this is my job, this is my role, let me get better at that, the way that Juju was able to do when you know, the team had Antonio Brown and all these other weapons in the offense.
1: Yeah, and they don't need him to necessarily, as we mentioned at the start of the segment, come out and be an every-down starter or anything like that. Uh, he just has to learn a role. And if that role is just catching uh, jump balls you know, three or four times a game or even twice a game, that has value especially if it happens to be in the end zone
0: right well dale thank you so thank thank you very much that was a good show We'll, we'll be back in your ears soon here on the dk steelers podcast